rest of us will continue on with uh, something that Brandon started last Sunday. And like I mentioned, as we came together, he had an idea of kind of what God was speaking to his heart about that probably we needed to hear. And I shared with him what I felt needed to be heard as well. And as we found out, it kind of would come together to form a message for a couple Sundays. In response to a lot of things that have been going on, some of you have had an incredible year of 2018. Incredible in the way that you can't believe anything else could happen to you. Uh, anything else could go sideways, and it went sideways. Um, so it, last week uh, we heard from Brandon as he gave us a compassionate perspective on suffering. And we looked at the book of Job, and uh, we kind of previewed that and went through it, surveyed that briefly. And at the end, he, he reminded us, Brandon reminded us of a few things. First of all, we need to be real in our sufferings. God can take our emotional response as we are before Him and praying. Also, too, speak the truth about God to others in suffering. Be careful in how you, you know what you're saying, because Job's friends thought they knew and really wasn't giving them very good advice. But speak the truth about God to others in suffering. Another thing that he reminded us of is that Satan is out to fool you. Be on guard. Be on guard in that. And then finally, Brandon mentioned trust in God. I think that wraps all that up together and reminds us that God is in control. We need to trust Him in all things. Today, I want to take us from that perspective to what I would call a proper perspective, a real perspective on suffering, on trials, on difficulties. And this isn't in opposition to or correction of what Brandon shared as far as naming it a proper perspective. But uh, this is in addition to what was mentioned last Sunday. But if you look back on these last 12 months, I guess you probably could say, what a year. What a year. Uh, in January, my father was diagnosed with terminal cancer, and surgery was going to be started up in March for him. February, on the, uh, about the 5th, I think, was the calendar planning meeting that we had. And from there, birthed the strategic planning meetings for our mission statement, our vision statement, our core values. And then 12 days later, we experienced Mark Durkoop as he had his stroke. And we reeled under, the, under that blow. But church family stepped up. Annalie and Annie gathered together to be our worship leader. Becky took the helm at the choir leader. And uh, right before we were having our Easter cantata and everything, and those who were in the choir joined in and did their share and their part as well. In March, my father's surgery happened, and it was discovered there was more advanced cancer going on, and it had spread throughout his body. On, in April, at the end of April, we had our first strategic planning meeting for our missions and vision and core values, and it went quite well. And in May, uh, we had our second meeting to be able to finish formulating those things uh, for the strategic planning meeting, and then continue to plan and present uh, those things uh, in a sermon series in the fall. Then in June of, of this last year, one of our good friends, Beth Ann Davison, passed away from cancer. John's mom, Dareth, passed away. 
And then I discovered that my dad's, uh, was ha his non-compliance with medical advice was going on, and I needed to intervene. In July, Anthony, Brianna, and myself traveled to Ohio for kind of a dual purpose. One, for Brianna to see her grandfather for the very first time, pretty much, and also for me to be able to help my father in the situation that was going on of him refusing to get treated and cared for by the doctors. Then, of course, on the 23rd, my father passed away from cancer during our VBS week, and uh, Sydney stepped up, and she ran stuff from above and uh, sound and all that, and others stepped up, too, to take spots where Becky was uh, doing and I was doing as well. It all kind of came together, and people helped out in a lot of different ways. And then Becky and I and Brianna traveled out to Ohio to make funeral arrangements for my father. And again, church family stepped up. And uh, thank you, Zach, for preaching during that time as well. In August, we had some church painting issues as far as an idea of what was going on for the outside of the church. Again, though, the church stepped up by keeping the main thing the main thing throughout it all whereas it could have been very divisive. In September, I took my third trip to Ohio to deal with my father's estate. In November, I took my fourth trip to Ohio <laughs> to continue caring for my father's estate. All along the time, you guys were an incredible support for not only myself, but my family as well. Also in November, we said goodbye to Nancy Fox. She passed away, taking its toll on the family, Westby family, Grimm family, Fox family. Again, the church stepped up, filled in the gaps, cared for the families. In December, we saw our daughter Maddie take off for Uganda, not to be seen again for five months. And again, you guys stepped up with prayer support, financial support, <laughs> emotional support for mom and dad. <laughs> In January, Michael's car accident, but also to the incredible surprise and shock of saying goodbye to Tim as he passed away. Arlen smashes his foot, breaks it. Man, if you look back on this last year, you go, wow, <laughs> have we really survived this thing or not? And you probably have many more to add to this list, too, on your own. I know Ricky Reed's got plenty to add to it, as she is telling us about how many people passed away in her family. Can you see how a perspective can maybe get clouded a bit when you go through difficulties like this? So that's why I figured today we need to look at some things here and get a proper perspective on things. I want to share with you four Perspe proper perspectives of all of this that's been going on for, with us for the last 12 months or so. And hopefully we can kind of get our focus back in line because, you know, sometimes when we get jolted, we, we need a realignment. <laughs> Let me share with you, though, these perspectives I believe we can um, run with and uh, allow God to use in our lives. First perspective is that uh, we are in fragile frames with an eternal focus. 
We are fragile frames with an eternal focus. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. You can turn there or you can just listen. I'll read it as well. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, go past the Gospels, beyond Acts. You see Romans, go one more. After 1 Corinthians, you'll find 2 Corinthians in the New Testament there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting with verse 7. Let me share these verses with you. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. We are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry around in our body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that His life may also be revealed in our mortal body. So then death is at work in us, but life is at work in you. And skip over to verse 16. Therefore we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So, fragile frames. Fragile frames. Life is fragile. You look at verse 7, it speaks about that. Having these treasures in jars of clay. It shows, though, this, this, this power of God in us. And so that there's a revealing of that as we have these fragile frames. In verses 8 and 9, basically what doesn't kill us will make us stronger. We are pressed on every side, but we're not crushed. We're perplexed, but we're not in despair. We might even be persecuted in some way, but we're not, we're not abandoned. We may be struck down, but we are not destroyed. We continue on with God's power. In verses 10 through 12, and we go through this for the benefit of others and the glory of God. These difficulties that come our way will benefit others as, as, as we look and face these situations and how we act in those situations. We can benefit others and glorify God. And in verse 16, so we, we don't get discouraged. You know, outer, we have outer deterioration going on, right? Our body is breaking down. But we have an inner renewal. We have this vitality inside because of God's power in us. We have this power. We have this the Spirit of God within us. And so we don't get discouraged. And then verse 17 tells us why we... We, have, we don't have this discouragement because our troubles are bringing about an eternal glory. We have that focus. We have that focus. Then we aren't discouraged. So what do we do? In verse 18, what do we do in all this? We fix our eyes on what is unseen. We fix our eyes on heaven. We fix our eyes on eternity. We have these fragile frames 
but with an eternal focus. That's the first perspective I think we need to have. A second proper perspective is found in the first chapter of this book. Scoot back to chapter 1 and take a look, beginning with verse 3. Chapter 1, chapter one 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting with verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. So this proper perspective is that we are comforted to comfort others. We are comforted to comfort others. Have you been through any difficulties lately? You might be saying, have we met? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Looking back on the last 12 months, it would be very safe to say yes. I believe we've all been touched some way, some form, with a difficulty, a trial, troubles. Did you receive comfort from God in those moments? I would hope that the answer would be yes. And maybe directly, maybe you received God's joy in it, God's comfort, God's provision directly from Him. Maybe, you've, maybe you received God's comfort indirectly through other people, others who maybe sent you that letter or gave you that phone call or sent you a text just at that moment you were feeling down. And God used those people to lift you up, to comfort you. My question is, who have you comforted with the comfort you have received from God? In going through those troubles, how have you then, as you've been comforted, how have you comforted others with the comfort you have received from God? Because that's what we're supposed to be doing. And as we see other people going through difficulties, we can come right alongside, be God's hands and feet, bring that comfort that we've received, and maybe those similar, similar moments that those people are going through. You know, it's, it's an easy, easy move, a wide path, easy to wallow in our despair and agony. Easy to do that. Doesn't take much energy. It's more effort though, and, and the better track, the better passage, the narrow way to be able to turn around and comfort someone else as you have been comforted in those difficulties. As our reader board said out there, we can avoid dismay by doing something for someone. We definitely can. Do something for someone and you will avoid dismay. Imagine the downward spiral of these verses if these verses did not get put into practice and were not lived out in our lives. As we wouldn't comfort other people and then the spiral goes down as we get more depressed and all that. But imagine the upward spiral when these verses are lived out and put into practice there would be no shortage of comfort, no shortage of people coming around and helping. And so what I see happening in these days, and I have seen in these days, is the church stepping up and comforting one another. 
we are comforted to comfort others. Let me give you a third perspective in this. Turn with me to James chapter 1. Probably wondering when I was going to get to there. <laughs> James chapter 1, verses, uh, starting with verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. In this third perspective, I think we can see that difficulties end in our favor. Difficulties end in our favor. Trials have matured me as your pastor. Before my dad's death, I knew loss only as one from the outside looking in. Although I tried to empathize as much as possible with you all in your loss in these situations. I've experienced many funerals with you all. After my dad's death, though, I now know loss as one within the circle. I know what it means. I know how it feels. I've walked around in your shoes. The trials have matured me as your pastor. It's helped me be able to come closer to God, to grow in Him. I was asked to do a graveside service for Vic Little's father at Willamette National Cemetery. Vic Little's part of our Tremont Evangelical Church. And it happened to be two days after my father passed away. Heard about my father passing away on Monday and then Wednesday. Uh, it, I was asked to do this service beforehand, before I knew my father passed away. And during that service, it was, it was a, uh, uh, over at Willamette National Cemetery, so it's one of, the, one of the shelters there and all that went on. I wept at that service. I wept at the service because I, I now knew what they were going through with the loss of a father. It was fresh. I got it. I understood. We need to let perseverance finish its work in these situations, which means allowing the testing of our faith, which means facing trials of many kinds. We don't enlist. We don't want those things happening. We don't say, oh, choose me, please, please. Trials come. Storms of life will beat against our door, and they'll, it'll break it wide open in our life. And those storms are going to come. They're here now. They'll go away. More storms will come. And as you face those trials, it is the testing of your faith. And as your, your faith is tested, Persevere through that because allowing it to finish its work will bring you maturity, will bring you completeness, closer to God, not lacking anything. Don't wish for those trials, but when they come, when they happen, be reminded of that. Difficulties will end in our favor. Don't run from these trials, but embrace them head on knowing that the end result is a maturity and completeness in Christ. Difficulties end in our favor. One more perspective I want to share with you. Found in Ephesians chapter 6. You can turn there. 
if you'd like for right now. I didn't tell you what happened at the beginning of last year, about this time last year. Of course, my father being diagnosed with terminal cancer. Almost about the same moment, that day, also found out, too, that uh, Brianna was being accused of something that was not her fault at all at the school. That same day, I was getting ready to go from the school then, after having a meeting with the principal, coming this direction for a prayer meeting. On that drive over, a lot of different things were going on through my mind. We were all in the middle, kind of beginning the forming of the you know, mission statement and vision statement. We were on, in, in gear with that, and we were ready to go forward, thinking of ways to move the church forward and, and following Christ as close as possible. As I was driving back from, from that encounter and news about my father, I realized that this was a distracting moment. My priorities, God, family, and then others, of course. And family is very important to me. Family is important to me, and, and, and family is important to me for you guys as well. That I, I pray for your, the strengthening of your families and the protection of your families. And as I was driving back, I'm thinking, wait, wait, okay, hold on here. I'm heading to a prayer meeting right now. My mind is all over the place right now, knowing that my dad is dying of cancer now, and my daughter's being accused of things she did not do, and I'm getting worked up here, and, and I'm, I'm getting kind of upset, thinking of ways I might be able to go back and talk to the principal about some things. But I'm coming to a prayer meeting, and I've got this angst now, and I'm not ready to pray. Uh, whoa, wait a second. About halfway from, from the school to here, I, I, I just started praying. I said, okay, God, you've got this situation. Satan, you don't have this situation. In the power of Christ, in the blood of Christ, I rebuke you, and you will not have any foothold in this situation. Me being the pastor of this church, beginning to lead us forward into something pretty, pretty incredible stuff good things for the church. I see what's going on here, and it's not going to happen. Satan, you're not going to get a foothold in this situation. And I declare that my family wasn't, wasn't his, and the church was not his either. Hands off. No matter what he threw our way, I would not back down. Fast forward to this last year. Wow. He's thrown a lot of things at us. This was a spiritual war, and I was ready and willing to stand my ground. This far and no further. So my fourth perspective for you is that we are on the battlefield. You are on the battlefield. This is a spiritual war. Don't forget it. Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. 
Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So what is required? We're in this we're on this battlefield in the spiritual war. What is required? We got a great list here for us, and I just wanted to remind us of this. What is required for this battle? First of all, in verse 10, it's not on your own strength, it's God's strength. It is in his mighty power. If we think we can fight this battle on our own, on our own, we are we, we will be sorely disappointed. <laughs> and we will be in trouble as well. This is in God's strength and in his power. And when I came back. From when I was coming from school to here for the prayer meeting, I realized this is, num- this is something I'm not going to be able to come against Satan with, but it's with God's strength, with His blood, the shedding blood of Christ. And the power of His blood will take care of what Satan's trying to do in this situation. And in verse 11, you realize you need to put on the full armor, not just a bit at a time, not just pieces of it, the whole thing. Otherwise, you're going to be in big trouble. Big trouble. Wear the full armor. Verse 12, it's not people in your life. It's not flesh and blood that we come against. It's not the principle during that time. And we're okay. We got, we got a good thing going now. It's good. But it's not people in your life that come against you. It's not flesh and blood. It's them. It's them. It's against the rulers, the authorities, the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Don't go after the person. They could just be a messenger that Satan is using. So don't go after them. Turn it right around and go after Satan in prayer with the power of Christ in you. Too many times we go after people when bad things happen, or people say things about us, or do things against us. We need to be careful and realize it's not flesh and blood that comes against us. And verse 13 as well, victory and survival depends upon what you wear. (laughs) you got to wear the full armor. And what is that? The belt of truth. It's the truthfulness and sincerity, a good conscience. You're going to have a hard time fighting this battle if you don't have a good conscience. Verse 14 as well, the breastplate of righteousness. This righteousness is faith working righteousness by love. And your faith is put into action in all this. Verse 15, I call them the gospel shoes. (laughs) The preparedness and the readiness of arising from the gospel that's in you to do and to suffer all that God wills. We need to be ready and prepared. Verse 16, the shield of faith. You know, we're not, 
We're talking, you know, envision a long oblong oval door-like shield. Four feet by two and a half feet. This thing is huge. It's not one of those little small dinky thing, round things that you hold up and try to keep things from. And you can extinguish all of the fiery darts Satan's thrown your way. All. When you have that shield up. So have that shield of faith. As faith conquers Satan and his darts of temptation to get back at somebody, to have revenge before someone, to despair in the situation, all those things that Satan's trying to throw at you, this shield of faith extinguishes all of those things. And the helmet of salvation, verse 17, that word take is translated as receive. And very well worded because we receive salvation from Christ. Receiving it, accept it. You know, the head of the soldier is among the principal parts to be defended from any attack. Since it is obviously the head that commands the whole body. Cut the head off, you've won that little battle. The head is the seat of the mind, and when it grasps the gospel, it won't fall into false doctrine or give way to Satan's temptations to despair. So you need to have that helmet of salvation. Along with that, too, is the sword of the Spirit, God's Word. It's the two-edged sword that cuts both ways. One way for conviction and conversion, and another way for condemnation. Jesus', Jesus use of this sword against Satan during the temptations that he faced is our example of how to use this weapon. You have Scripture hidden away in your heart. Bring it back out. Allow the Holy Spirit to bring it back out <clears throat> when Satan tries to get in your way. Satan tries to trip you up. Be reminded of God's promises. The sword of the Spirit, have it with you. Memorize Scripture. And then, of course, verse 18, prayer. <laughs> Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, all kinds of prayers and requests. Be alert. Don't quit praying. Continually pray for all followers of Christ. Prayer is the big thing about all this. But the perspective I think we need to have is you are on the battlefield. If you have a relationship with Christ, you are on the battlefield. Satan wants that ground taken back. Don't let him. Stand firm. Wear that spiritual armor, the full armor. Some perspectives I wanted to share with you. Because I think as we look at this last year, there are a lot of different things going on. We can look at this and seeing that, that there's you know, circumstances happening. There's situations going on. Now, I'm not the person, and I hope you know me well enough, that I'm not the person that sees the demon behind every rock. But there is a spiritual warfare going on around us. Think about the advancement that we've been having with our church and formulating our mission statement, vision statement, and core values and saying this is what we believe. We are moving forward with these things to strengthen the church. Does Satan like that? No way. And you know, he's going to try to get in in any way possible. Discouragement. 
distraction. And there are a lot of ways he can distract you. A lot of ways he can get a foothold. Don't let him. So that's why I believe we need to have a proper perspective in the troubles and sufferings that we go through. Whether it's loss of someone we love dearly, or an injury in our lives, or something else that's just going to get us off base, off focus. Don't let it. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on up. They're going to lead us in a couple more songs. But uh, as they come up, if I could sum, sum up this, these proper perspectives all up in one sentence, it would be like this. It would be, we are, we are fragile frames with an, with an eternal focus, comforted to comfort others, realizing that our difficulties end in our favor as we continue on the spiritual battlefield. This is important to understand if we are a people who are committed to following Jesus. People committed to following Jesus and desire to be a community where God's love changes lives. And I think what I'd like to do is leave you with three words for this year, 2019. I know we've already gone into it quite a bit. Let me leave you with three words for this year to kind of fall back on. The first word is resilient. Be resilient in God's strength and mighty power. Spiritual war needs spiritual armor. Wear it 24-7. Be resilient in God's strength and mighty power. Be resistant. Not only resilient, but resistant to Satan's schemes. Be resistant to Satan's schemes. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, 8 through 10 says, Be alert and, so, uh, and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his e eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, Steadfast, be resistant to Satan's schemes when they come. And then finally, be resolute. Resolute towards God's will. What His will is for your life. Stay in the course, no matter what. Standing firm in the faith. This far and no further, Satan's not going to take more ground from you. Don't give Satan a foothold in any part of your life because that's where it starts. Be resilient, be resistant, be, re be resolute in this. And the way to be able to stay on top of that is to continue to offer that unknown bundle to God. Talked about that. So far, there's been some surprises coming out of that unknown bundle for us. It was no surprise to God. And as you commit that unknown bundle to God right on the altar, those surprises that come out, it's been in God's hands anyway. He's got this. He's in control of this. You gave it up to God anyway, whatever comes out of that unknown bundle. I encourage you, if you have not done that yet, offer it to God. Let Him have whatever this year holds. You don't know what it holds. We've only seen a glimpse of it so far. 
Trust Him for that. If you have offered that unknown bundle to God and left it at the altar for Him, don't pick it back up. <laughs> Trust Him. He knows what He's doing. If you need to come and pray, if you need to be reminded of what God can do for you in your times of trouble, if you need to give over some things as you go through some difficulties, trust Him. Come, pray, get close to Him. This next song we're going to be singing, Trust will also encourage you as well as we realize who we are and who is on our side. <laughs> we don't do this alone at all.